Hello, welcome to Violet Sessions, a podcast for women about culture, creativity, work and lifestyle. I'm Danielle Rodoitchen. As always, we are here at Violet Bakery in East London with Claire Patak, owner of Violet and co-founder of Violet Sessions. Today we're going to be talking to Sylvia Ferrego, a creative producer. Born and raised in Canada, she moved to the UK when she was 18 and worked at Dazed as a photographic editor. Later, she worked at Burberry as their creative media producer before going on to launch her namesake fashion production company, Sylvia Ferrego Limited. Today, she works with the world's top fashion photographers and flies all over the world producing fashion shoots for brands including Celine, Vogue and Yves Saint Laurent. Here's Sylvia Ferrego talking to us on Violet Sessions. Hello. Hi, Sylvia. Hi. Welcome to Violet Sessions. Thank you. Hi, Claire. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Sylvia. It's good to have you here finally. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. You guys know each other quite well. Quite well. Yeah. <laughs> Not that We're well. old friends. We're old friends. How, yeah. how did you meet? Uh, through our friend Todd Selby. Yeah, so Todd Selby is a photographer that I've been working with for years and years. And when he used to come here, he met Claire and yeah, photographed her. He, he put me in his book, Edible Selby. Um, and so he came here to photograph. And then we had a party for when his book came out. And Sylvia came to the party, and that was it. It's like, she's my new BFF. <laughs> <laughs> you both walk your dogs on, around here? Yeah, on Sundays we go to um, the Hackney Marshes, or the Walthamstow Marshes. I never know if it's yeah. Hackney Marshes or Walthamstow Lee Valley. Marshes. Yeah, Lee, Lee Valley. Valley. I mean, it's, Lee Valley. So it's so big, it's got many names. Yes. Um, nice. But it's nice, because, yeah, I think it's a great way to start the week by doing a nice decompressing yeah. dog walk. Together. Also, you guys both have um, Eastern European backgrounds, don't you? I was thinking about this. So you have a Polish background. I do. You're hung- Hungarian. Hungarian parents. Yugoslavian, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you talked about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine's pretty far removed, I'd say. I think yeah. Sylvia's a bit more in touch with her roots. Yeah. I, I grew up mine's in a... the name. It's like the yeah. name... <laughs> I don't know anything else about my yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Whereas I only speak like Hungarian to my grandparents. Yeah. Because they don't speak any English. So. But you and your parents sometimes. My parents, yeah, I speak yeah. Hung- yeah. yeah. So I'm still from like a very like Hungarian community. So were your parents first generation immigrants to Canada? Yeah, they went there in the set like a year before I was born. So they're, they're proper immigrants. And, that, and they spoke, <laughs> and yeah, they spoke to, to you in Hungarian, which is. Growing up. Yeah, yeah. So I learned English when I was six, when I started going to school. Yeah. Wow, so Hungarian is properly your uh, first language. Mm, yeah, it's the mother tongue. How do you s- say a phrase in Hungarian? Michi nas mama eszte. What does that mean? What are you doing tonight? <laughs> uh, <laughs> not that we're going to hang out, but you know. <laughs> Perfect. So you grew up in Canada? Yes. So I grew up in a small town called Kelowna, which is about four-hour drive from Vancouver. So it's a very small town. And what was it like growing up there um it was great actually because um there was a really great network of people who i'm still friends with who were interested in music art photography um counterculture punk rock you know it was a very it was a great time to grow up in the 90s there as well pre-social media pre-internet um and really have time to like discover each other um which i think it's kind of sad. I just don't know how teenagers grow up now in small towns because I feel like everyone's just glued to the internet. But yeah. yeah. What were your favorite TV shows? 
You know, it's oh, really well, weird. I was actually obsessed with like English shows, like mm, Faulty Towers and Blackadder, mm-hmm. and that really, that kind of humor really influenced, I guess. Yeah, like you know, everything I'm into now as well. So, ha- so did you? Yeah. Were you in, were you into fashion? No, well, kind of in a way, not like fashion as in fashion brands, but I was definitely into wearing weird things, and I went through different phases in high school, where like. I don't know, when I was about 13, I kind of really wanted to fit in at 13. And I think always coming from immigrant parents, I never really fitted in. And I kind of knew I, I didn't fit in, but I, I, I so desperately wanted it. But then at 13, I don't know what happened. Something kind of clicked in my head and I ended up shaving off all my hair. Not in a crazy Britney way, but kind of more in a like, you know... I don't want to conform. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. So um, I I did that and then just started wearing like really weird clothes. But I used to go to thrift stores and buy things. And I was really into like really silly things. Like for a whole month, I would only wear costumes from like the drama department. So I'd come to school wearing like costumes. And then like a month later, I'd only wear army clothes. So I'd go to army (laughs) store press and like buy army clothes and wear like full like berets and because you know in North America you could wear whatever you wanted to school so I know you had that freedom of like being an individual and being who you are yeah I think it's amazing I do too yeah so at a young age you just kind of like figure out your style but it's nice because you kind of um you know as you grow older you kind of you know you don't really change that much you Mm -hmm. just kind of adapt and grow and I still feel like I still dress like I do in high school yeah you know you're uncharacteristically not wearing a um heavy metal t-shirt today and I'm wearing new order you I know I know it's like so soft so it's like I'm I'm being sensitive today (laughs) it's one of those days but um but yeah so fashion like growing up like I didn't know anything about fashion and I wouldn't even say I knew anything about any brands. Um, but my fashion was literally just like being thrifty and like creating interesting looks. Um, and that, and that's it. It wasn't about money and like looking like the most expensive person in school. Do you think you were trying to get attention or were you trying to just, yeah, like... I think a bit of both. I yeah. think like part of you at that age is so insecure. Mm-hmm. And so you're just like, screw this, screw everyone. You yeah. know, so you're like, have that like angsty teenage, but then you also care so much as well. Yeah. It's amazing. So it's a weird, yeah. Weird balance. And you have two brothers. Yeah. I think you're in the middle. You have an elder brother yeah. and a younger brother. Um, did they, how did they inform your style? Oh my God, they totally didn't. Like my, my <laughs> older, my older brother is like a year older than me. And in school he was like a preppy kid. So he wore like a lot of like prep, like Paul, Ralph Lauren, like he was that kind of guy. So when I shaved off all my hair and became like a total weirdo in school, he was so ashamed. I don't even think he talked to me in the, in the hallways. Yeah. I think he probably just like walked by me and ignored me. Um, but <laughs> it was, but I think, but I was friends with all of his friends because I was really, even at that age, even though you're like painfully insecure, I was actually quite confident as well. So I ended up still kind of staying friends with like everybody in school and just being the weird kid. But um, my little brother is about 12 years younger than me, so he, you know, he missed all that stuff out. <laughs> it's so funny, that sense of um, those tribes that existed in mm. high schools. I mean, they're yeah. endlessly covered in film and stuff. But do you think yeah. that they still exist now, or do you think the internet's killed that? I think they still exist, because when you still go to small towns in America, you can kind of see it. But I feel like everything is more accessible now. I feel like, you know, when we were younger, you really had to search for that that look or that record or that yeah. book or whatever. Yeah, it was a way now to belong. Now it's like, 
Yeah, now I kind of feel everything is so accessible to those teenagers now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I really have no idea how. But how they do it. But you still have to like know. navigate the internet or navigate whatever and find like the yeah. coolest thing on there or find like the you know you still have to sort of be. I guess so. I guess looking. it was just different because maybe yeah. everything now in life seems so rushed, and even like childhoods seem so rushed because of the digital age, you know. Um, Whereas, I don't know, when we were younger, it was like, there, you know, to there was time, time to go to the record store and talk to the guy that worked behind the, the sure. counter and, like, find out when For sure. the new album of whatever was coming out, you know? Um, your parents had their, had their own company. They were, yeah. Your, your dad had a company that was um, car paint specialist. Yeah, he, was in, he had an auto, auto body shop. And your mom ran the company? Yeah. So she did all the accounts and stuff. Yeah. Did you grow up then just always thinking that that was, like, a normal thing just to run your own company? And do you think that helped you... Um, set up your company i i don't remember thinking that that was like an you know it's just the way things were but i i don't i think it's definitely helped me i mean i definitely can see the way i run my company and the way i live as an adult i can totally see traits of my parents and my dad and me what kind Which like traits? my mom just being like incredibly <laughs> organized thrifty you know that whole like accounting side of things and you know very on it and timekeeping and my dad is quite, like, generous and nice and not that my mom isn't, but, you know, <laughs> my dad has, like, that kind of very, um, he's very, uh, what's the word, social, you know? So he kind of can, you can put him in any situation. Like, even when he comes to London, he goes out for a walk in Dalston and ends up in, like, the Turkish shop and makes friends with all the guys in there and then brings <laughs> them all over to my house. <laughs> I guess you have to be quite sociable with your job as well, right? Because you're always yeah, totally. being thrust into situations on a shoot or whatever yeah. where you meet people that you don't know. You don't see the yeah. same people every day. Yeah, you don't. And also, you know, you, you have to learn how to adapt to different situations and different people and different personalities. And, yeah. you know, like a photographer will have a totally different attitude and mindset than a stylist. And it's learning how to juggle those personalities and dealing with people. Mm. It's a lot of people managing. So you came to the UK from Canada when you were 18. Yeah. So that was in the mid-90s, right? Yeah. What was it like in London then? It must have been amazing. The Spice Girls were huge. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so Britpop. Yeah, Britpop. Um, <laughs> I think the Spice Girls were just starting out. It was really, it was, it was funny. I kind of had this like, you know, because I was so into punk. So my whole, all my reference points were like the Sex Pistols and the Clash and the Jam and, and all shock. that kind of stuff. And then I... <laughs> And um, I was never into, like, Britpop because that was, like, a bit too commercial for my liking at the time. Now I appreciate it. But back then I was just like, what's this shit? But, um, I, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a funny time. Could you you know? said, I lived did, in South London and it was, like, lived down in Clapham. Because so. now people look back on that time in London as a golden age. Could you yeah. sense that? Totally, yeah. I have really fond memories of, like you know walking around the streets of London and people looking at you and talking to you and um you know you'd go to gigs and people wouldn't there was no phone so everybody yeah. would just be standing there having a drink talking to each other so it's it like so the last nice. the last cultural moment before people yeah. got mobile phones yeah yeah it was like you know nowadays you go to a show and I feel sorry for people who move to London now because you go to a show and everyone is standing there on their phones. And like, and I do that as well. Like, I'm not, I'm totally guilty of it. Like, if I'm standing there by myself, yeah, I'll look at my phone and I'll see what's going on. But that just makes you so unapproachable to people who have no friends or who've just moved here and who want to meet people. But yeah, back then it was like, you know, I mean, a lot of the people I know now are people I met 
in those times of, of going out and like you know approaching somebody and being like hey you like this band <laughs> you have a conversation it was nice you know now you can talk through your phone yeah exactly <laughs> through whatsapp yeah. yeah and so how did you get your job at dazed um i i just met jefferson and rankin and how did you meet him um i i'm just trying to remember actually i was actually married to a guy called alex years and years ago and alex knew somebody who knew somebody who worked at dazed did you get and married when you moved here or were you married when you no when I, when I moved here yeah so then it, it was kind of meeting through different people and then i was like at a party and then met some people it was like very like being at the right place at the right time so and you got a job there as photographic editor yeah like initially i started off working on a magazine called intersection which was like a car kind of magazine and i did that Literally, the magazine hadn't even launched, so I just helped them on the first issue. Was that because of what your dad did? You were like, I can take a <laughs> no, no, I don't know. It was just, like, totally by chance. And then, um, and then as when they were moving out of the office, um, Jefferson was like, I want you to stay in the office. And then he was like, you know, they made me photo editor at Dazed. And I worked with Emma Reeves, who was a photo director at the time. And I literally just, like, I learned so much from her and then worked my way up to that mm. role once she left. What, do you, what, what, what was it like there, working there then? Um, it was a lot of fun. We were a bunch of kids running a magazine. None of us knew what we were doing. Um, you know, I mean, being in charge of, like, commissioning pictures when, you know, you're, you're basically just, it's just your taste, you know? Like, you're just projecting what you're into into a magazine for everyone to see, and that was kind of amazing. It was like college that was my college. That was my education is being there. And also learning from people like, you know, learning from Jefferson and Emma and all those yeah, people. Yeah, because you didn't go amazing. to university. You went straight from yeah. school to yeah. into a job. And I think you've said in the past I've that always you think worked. it's not yeah. that important to go to university. Well, you certainly didn't. Well, it just depends on what that. you want to do. I mean, yeah, if you're yeah. a doctor, mm-hmm. I'd quite like somebody have to like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like some sort of education <laughs> to like do an operation. But I mean, I think if you work in the creative industry, it's either you have it or you don't. And I think you need to go and work with somebody. You just have to you get just, that work experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about work experience. It's all about learning yeah. from, from somebody, having a mentor or whatever. So was Emma a mentor for you? Yeah, yeah. I definitely. Like, Emma, I totally look up to her. Like, I'm actually flying to L.A. on Friday, and she lives in L.A. now. And I see her every time I go there. What did you, you know? learn from her? Um, I just learned a lot about different photographers, how to deal with photographers. Um, I mean... It's hard to say that we would have the same taste, but she definitely has like an aesthetic that I gravitated to, um, and I learned a lot from that. Yeah, it's interesting to talk about aesthetic because I think when I saw you the other day, you said that you're not into fashion, but clearly you've got a certain taste I, level, and you need a certain taste level yeah. to work in magazines. Yeah, yeah, I have like, um, you know, I do have like my own taste, and I'm into fashion to a certain degree. Like, I do like nice things, and the older you get the more you're like, oh, I really want that dress or those heels or whatever. And I get that. I've but seen you I, dressed I, up. You, you clean up well. Yeah. like, <laughs> I, yeah. But I, I don't feel like fashion drives me as an individual. Yeah. I think photography, art, culture, music, there's other things that I would definitely put above fashion. Fashion is just something that's somehow like landed in my lap. Um, welcomely. I'm, I'm totally happy about that. But, you know, I wouldn't say like I'm a fashion obsessive person. I don't care. You know, I'm not going to look at the shows and be like, oh, my God, that catwalk show is incredible. But I don't care about it that much. Like, I I like it, but I don't like, you know. 
not you know not that I think it's a bad I think it's an amazing thing and I think if you're into fashion I think it's great but everybody's an individual and everyone's into their own thing mm-hmm. I don't think you need to force it if you, that's not you so why did you leave Dazed? Um, I was there for like seven years. I, th- I left when I was turning 30, actually. So I think it was like, I think that was like the time to go. Um, seven and, year itch. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you kind of need to move on and grow as an individual. You can't stay somewhere forever, you know. And it's good to be challenged by other things. And, you know, I think leaving as well, I kind of, I'd kind of done it for, for such a long time that I just needed a new challenge. And that was when you um, went on to Burberry yeah. as their creative producer. Yeah. What did that involve? Because I so think that's how I got into production, and I, have, I had no idea what production was. So even though I was at Days commissioning photography, I never knew what actually went into making a picture happen and, like, all the behind-the-scenes of, of, you know, what actually, what actually goes on, who gets booked. Everyone turns up at a certain time. Um, but then when I, uh, when I left Dazed... My friend, who is his name's Greg, he's creative director at Burberry. He was like, he approached me and was like, you know, there's this position coming up at Burberry. You should totally do it. And I remember being like, I have no idea what this. I don't even know what this title is. And he was like, well, you're into photography and you commission photography, so that's like one thing. And he's like, I know you in your personal life, and I know how organized you are and efficient you are. So he was just like, you just combine the two. And that's how that role started. So when I started there, I worked with other producers. So I would hire people in to do different shoots. And I kind of just learned off of them. And I was like a sponge and just like gathered up as much information as I could and then left and started my own company. But it's great. I mean, I I have to say like as much as, you know, it was such a corporate environment for somebody like me. And I'm so non-corporate. I learned so much about business and I learned so much about etiquette and how to deal with people (laughs) Um, and dealing with different personalities that it was the most in, it was so valuable that that whole time there so and the first company you set up was called Simmons Simmons Limited yeah so that was a company I set up with my ex-boyfriend is that was that your husband no or is this another boyfriend it's another so you'd boyfriend already broke, you'd, you'd already broken up with Alex yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I set up my um, ex-boyfriend's company, and then when we broke up, I just started my own company. So I kind of just like went off on my own and did my own thing. So, so Sylvia Farrago yeah. Limited is the name of your company. Yeah. So it's, named it's after very unoriginal. You. It's not very original. <laughs> well, it's a good name. Well, I just kind of like, I kind of came up with it overnight. I was <laughs> like, oh, what should I name the company? Um, and I couldn't think of anything clever, so I was like... You know, the name will do. Um, do you, what do you think about setting up a company with your partner? Is that something that you would advise? Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'd be against I don't think I'm against it. It just depends on who that person is. Mm-hmm. I think it sometimes works out and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents ran a company together yeah. and it was totally right. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, unfortunately, I ran it with, like, the wrong person. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I and mean, it's it like a bad choice. Though, when but, you work together and then you have to go home together and then you talk about business um, it didn't really for me it, it was totally fine yeah. you know um, but like I think you know like my parents were like the same and it never affected their relationship so mm-hmm. I know it does work um, and I do know like some of my friends who are in business with their partners and it's totally fine so. and how did you have the confidence to set up on your own after that 
What, after we broke up? Yeah. Well, it was weird because, I mean, I guess the, the backstory is, is like, I found out that he was cheating on me. And I think when you're in business with somebody who's cheating on you, I think that makes you rethink everything. Mm, and so yeah. I was kind of, I had to start my company overnight because I was still working on different projects. So I had no other choice but to start my own company. Um, so I was kind of forced into it through that, like, through that kind of negative... Um, Did that galvanize you? Yeah, a little bit. I think it kind of drove me to kind of make it successful because I was just like, you know, it was such a hard hit. And I think um, setting up your own company and being on your own and then all of a sudden you're single and you have to run a company, you just kind of like it drives you and you just have to make it work. So tell us a bit about what you do with with your company. Um, So I guess production is... So when you talk about, like, photographic production, because I guess production for films is different, um, magazine production is different, uh, music production is totally different. So photography, it's just about kind of booking everybody, getting everyone together, picking the right people, picking the right teams. I, I come from more of a creative background, so a lot, a lot of the things I do also have a creative role, so it's coming up with ideas as well. It just depends on the client. So there's some clients that I purely just do production for. Other clients, I'll come up with ideas and, you know, pick the right photographer that I think should be on the job. Um, you know, depends on the creative brief. But, you know, I work with, like, art directors. And, and just you work with some really people. amazing people. I mean, you're yeah. really at the top of your game. So, like, photographers like Matt and Marcus, Collier Shaw. Yeah, I work um, with Collier a lot, actually. She's somebody who, like... What's um, she like? She's amazing. I think she's a great photographer. She's got a great eye. She's been doing it for a while. Um, I like working with artists who, um, I don't know, cross over in both kind of fashion and art. Yeah, like Nick Knight as well, nice. I think, does yeah. a bit of that. Um, and then obviously you've got, you have a really nice CV that covers really more the more commercial brands like Smithson and Topshop, but then you also yeah. do those sort of cool magazines like Love. Yeah, yeah. So again, it just depends. Like, it's nice because we get pulled in on jobs through either photographers or the clients. So, for example, like we work with Marnie every season, and every season they pick a different photographer to do the shoot, and it's always a different artist, and it's really beautiful and nice and very considered. Um, And then we, for example, do like you know Topshop every season, and that's with Ronnie Cook Newhouse, who's an amazing art director, and so she pulls us in on that job, and so we work with her quite a lot. And she does Lawn Van as well and Louis Vuitton and all these other brands. So we kind of dip in and out of different things. But it's definitely like who you, all the different contacts we know and different How photographers. How do you know who are the good new photographers? Because that's a skill. Well, a yeah. Okay. So I guess with new photographers, like the place that they showcase their work is always going to be in magazines. Mm-hmm. So it's looking in ID, Dazed love well not really love so much because they use more established photographers but you know like pop or arena home plus um man about town like those kind of magazines um and then you see kind of all the different names that are coming up but yeah i mean it's hard like i feel like when i worked at a magazine it was much easier hearing about all these new photographers you know and a lot of photographers email me and they reach out and and I guess it's, you know, you've got a nice. pretty strong network of friends who work in the industry as well. Yeah. I know you're friends with Fran Burns, who's a really high-profile fashion stylist. Yeah. And Karen Langley, who is the designer of Ivy Park, Beyonce's yeah. fashion, sports fashion label. Yeah. Um, do you guys lean on each other for that kind of thing and talk oh, totally. about who the up-and-coming artists totally. are? Totally, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I think it's a real good support network that everybody in, like a friendship group, 
has within the industry. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. Mm. Similar to chefing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like I when think you- of my time at Chez Panisse and the way you describe your time um, at Dazed is so similar. And that you still have all those connections with all those people and that they've yeah. all kind of gone off and done their own thing. And it's like yeah. sort of a <clears throat> six degrees of shape and east and six degrees of days it feels like yeah it's like connected somehow yeah no yeah. it's funny because even like the days lot like we always talk about doing reunions and this and that and like a lot of the old you know all the people that we worked with we're still friends with i mean nikki bitter is like mm. she was editor-in-chief when i worked there and we're really really close karen langley was a fashion director there we're still very very close shout out to karen yeah shout out to karen <laughs> um but yeah so there's a lot of you know i still see jefferson and like all that you know robbie spencer emma wyman there's a lot of people that we kind of like all grew up there that we're still friends ben toms who's a great photographer who um i work with also used to be my assistant when i was at dazed so we all stay in touch we all work together still it's nice it's like a real family and what's the setup with your office do you hire a team yeah i know so, you, you work from home but your office is at home uh no, only now because i'm actually in the middle of refurbishing my office so um my office is just down the road from my house but um at the moment um i have about three full-time people um and i'm another person's coming in in mid-april but yeah no it's 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 good it's like um you know you're only as good as the people you hire so how do you hire people what are you looking for People who are organized <laughs> um, and people who kind of have their own thing going on. I kind of think I don't really want to hire some like boring individual. It's nice that somebody comes in and they're unique and they have their own style and uh, they're into their own thing. You know, I mean, I've seen like people in companies and they seem to hire everyone that looks like them and is into them. They're, it's just weird. I don't know. I kind of like I'm into hiring individuals. And you travel quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, a lot, actually. Yeah. Work. yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. Give us an idea of what a typical, if there is such a thing as a typical week for you, but how much do you travel in the space of a week? Well, it, it, I mean, it, it, I, I, maybe I would extend that out to like a month. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, this month I was in Wales a couple times doing a shoot out there, which I know sounds like... Who was that for? That was for the New York Times. So that was, like, kind of back and forth. But, it, you know, it's still, like, a good old journey. It's, like, going to Paris and back a few times. Um, I was also in Paris. Um, I fly to L.A. on Friday. Um, I think I was in New York. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. And what so do New you York actually a couple do? weeks ago. What do you actually do on the shoot? Um, just literally run the show. Are you there with a headset and the clipboard? No, I mean, I could be, I could be, but I hate that look. It's like, it's so gross. Um, but no, I mean, you know, like, for example, the shoot we did for the New York Times in Wales. Yeah, like, we had to have, had to have, like, a walkie-talkie because we are shooting in such a vast area. But when it's, like, small, so compressed area. It was area, an outside shoot. Yeah, it was outside. So, yeah, so, but it just depends on the job. You know, I don't need to be that person that's like gonna look, try to look super so important with a clipboard. You, you I mean, don't like I being bossy. So you don't like being bossy. It I like seems being, to me. No, no, I like being bossy, but I don't <laughs> feel like I need to look like a boss. You know what I'm saying? How to be bossy without looking like a boss? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like people will still respect you without you having to wear like a power suit. It's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Where, where's your favorite place to travel to? For work or for holiday? Either. 
I don't know. I would probably say for holiday, definitely going back to Canada and going home because that's like total relaxation. I get to see my family. It's really lovely. Um, and for work, I mean, I love shooting in LA because everything there is so easy and like everything is just catered for that industry. I mean, you know, do you have time to shop? When you're in LA, are there, are there fun places that you always like to try and go to when yeah, you're there? Yeah, there's a few like vintage T-shirt places that I yeah, go to. Which ones? And, like, um, God, I can't even remember the names of them, but they're on like Melrose Avenue. But they're really good. But there's a few different shops and stuff. How many vintage T-shirts do you own? Um, I don't know, like a few hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would, I would quite like to see that. Yeah, it's good. There's a lot of them, but you know, Perfectly I mean, perfectly folded. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you know. It's so hard when people are like, are you into fashion? And it's like, well, I guess that is a type of fashion. It's just not like, you know, Gucci and Prada. But do you think that you get your own style just develops with time as well? Mm. Mine has definitely evolved rather than... I think it's evolved from when I was younger. So um, I still feel like I dress like a grown-up teenager. (laughs) But, you know, I'm I'm an adult and I've come to terms with that. (laughs) And I also wanted to ask you, because of all the travel you do, so how do you deal with jet lag? Um, Work. Work makes you get over it. Just keep going. Just keep going, yeah. Like, I think jet lag is worse for me when I'm on holiday because I don't have to get up. Whereas if I go to L.A., for example, like, I have to get up and work or I have to go to sleep because I have to wake up in the morning. And when I come back to London, it's the same thing. Like, I'm flying straight back from L.A., and going straight into a job, you know? So that makes you wake up, and it makes you just not have jet lag. So it's actually, that's, yeah. that's probably the best medicine for it. And how do you see your company evolving? Um, well, I mean, you know, I think we're going to coast. I don't really want to <laughs> grow any bigger than what we are, because then you start, your overheads become really high. Yeah. You start, like, it's, it doesn't become fun anymore. And I think the good thing about what we do now is, you know, we work with great clients, we work with great photographers, and, like, I can't imagine it going beyond that. How much more can we do? How much more physically can, like, a bunch of people do? But you do have, you'll have multiple shoots on at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, next week we have, um, one, like, five shoots. Like, one, like... And they're all like in LA, London, and Paris. So and you all go like, to all of those? No, I can't. Cause you can't physically, physically be in five places. Well, yeah. maybe you can, but. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of, we just have to spread it out. And my team are really great, and they, they go on set when I'm not there. So, and it's fine. You know. Do you think you'll ever do anything else? Yeah, probably. I, you know, I think this is great. Like, I love what I do now. But, you know, maybe in five years I won't love it. And I think that's totally fine. I think it's good to be able to do other things. And, and you know, you only live once. So why limit yourself to doing one job forever? That's so boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much for coming and talking to us on Violet Sessions. Oh, my God, you're welcome. <laughs> that was Sylvia Frego talking to Danielle Rodoichin and me, Claire Patak, at my bakery in East London. Please subscribe to Violet Sessions, leave comments, and follow us. We are on Instagram as at Violet Sessions. The show is a co-production of In Talks With and Wargi Productions. Thanks for listening. 